0: Hello, hello everyone. It is another issue of Krakoa Radio. It is me, your darling, full of love, host Just X Henry with my fellow co-host Blackword.
1: You love it. I love it. I'm here. Hi. Hello.
0: My, all of my other fellow hosts, The Wind God Vontae. up your reasons here. Table day in this beach. <laughs> <laughs> and the awe-inspiring... Fantastical, the, 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 the nigger is supreme. <laughs> Dr. <Doctor> Showtime.
2: <laughs> Your favorite top, um, Lactuba like the Nowhere. I am here representing Table
0: Day. Um, let's be blessed.
1: We're so nonviolent today. Look at us, so mellow. Look at us being Right. Because we're not talking about the
0: internals. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> today, for everyone, we have. Uh, Excalibur 25, Hellion 17, X Force 25, and Sword number 10. We are skipping our circuit party topic because we have to catch up because, you know, last show was a circuit party special about the Eternals. You girls got what you got and you and you deserved it, and we gave it all it could give. Uh, shout outs to Black Word mm-hmm. for making me see that movie, which was better than the book. Shout out to him. <laughs> you know, you know, give me some culture. But, no, you know, I've been
1: thinking about that movie a lot. I'm like, it's really good. Like,
0: you definitely got your PhD
2: in eternal.
1: Yeah, listen, listen. Um, I'm still, I'm coming to the realization that, you know, that movie might just be one of the stuff on greats of the MCU. And, you know, I'm fine with that. Not everything should be for everybody. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And that's Okay.
0: So, where do we start first? We start with Excalibur. Is this on to you, uh,
2: Blackwood? Yes, this
1: is on to me. Hello, it's your favorite, uh, the captain of Table Dusk, here to discuss all things magic, and we're going to go right in with Excalibur. So, this week has been very gay, (laughs) Excalibur. This has been the queerest, I think, this comedy has been going. And if you lovely listeners go back and listen to how many times I said I suspect that Opal Saturnine and... Betsy, Betty, you know, are going to get together, and they're going to start, you know, a little girl-girl action moment. Um, I've been theorizing this from the start. I know, Teen Highward girl, I see you. You couldn't get what you wanted with Apocalypse. You said I'm going to make these two magical women fuck. And, lady, you did that. So, he opened immediately with Betsy, Betty, like, I think it's immediately following the battle, that first initial skirmish at the gates of the castle against King Arthur the team was pulling together team combo hits beta blood moon was throwing licks left and right shadow star was going down uh richter was doing his best and jubilee was sparkling Um, but basically it came down to a full-blown retreat back into the castle as they geared up their defenses and called forth the captain britain corps to kind of utilize what they're special for and like fully protect the castle I think this issue really highlights really well the fact that this Captain Britain Corps is completely mutant because their formation isn't just like, you know, a bunch of knights on the field. They're telekinetic and they're telepathic, so they link up really well. And they have a really impressive resistance to whatever is going at them. I think I'm going to qualify this as a mutant circuit. Uh, what's going down? A few people have asked, okay, why did not they just charge forward and attack? I'm like, it's like a thousand telekinetics there. This is worse than having, like, a whole Phoenix Force just accept that they can't get through. Um, Merlin has been casting a spell this entire time, and they're just sitting there waiting for each other to throw a hit. So, you know, Captain Britain, our iconic, you know, Betsy Braddock goes out on a date to go meet with the other former members. And is having a really personal moment thinking about her responsibilities and her growth as they're asking her to come back with them to help defend Britain. And fight for the change that they want to see as mutants. Um, and Betsy kind of just goes, no. Because there's been a sour taste in her mouth, I think, after meeting King Arthur. And she just kind of just does not want to be involved with this particular side of the mission. As she knows that she, as the Captain Britain, fights for the heart of what this place is meant to be. Even if she can't fight for the place or the people in it. So she goes forward and she returns to her duties at the castle. Um, Opal Saturnine has been out commissioned this entire time, getting things done, doing witchy things as magicians are known to do. And we get a little flash forward towards the responsibilities of King Arthur. Merlin has been holding up and preparing some magic on the side, and he finally dedicates himself to casting an anti-magic bo- a dome, I guess, around the castle. The purpose of this is some straight up dungeons and dragons shit um it creates a field where no magic can exist and because no matter what the source or what's going on or how powerful opal zaterine is or the starlight citadel is it's all magic at the end of the day so shutting down magic automatically depowers all of captain britain the captain britain corps and they're able to advance and attack what king Arthur has forgotten for some reason is that the captain britain corps are all mutants so while their forces can invade and they're making a pretty good headway into the fortress, while the rest of the Excalibur is trying to retreat and pull back their forces out, um, she's able to hold her own and handle some business. She goes and hunts down King Arthur in particular and holds him accountable for all the bullshit. King Arthur says something sexist, as white men in the UK are known to do, and she's not having that shit. And this is, I think, is the big moment for Betsy to kind of like take out her full strap, put it on, and say, fuck this nigga. Because she highlights all the reasons why she hates someone like King Arthur and what he represents. It gets interesting. It gets funny. She calls him out for being just a baseline racism misogynist yeah. and representing everything that Britain has become. Like, the legend of King Arthur, I think, is the thing that she's thinking of as she's beating his ass. And It's the legend of a man who made a country for equality, and a country that is the bastion, and a legacy that is the bastion on which her entire culture and identity and her nobility sits on. Like, If he's King Arthur and he's the first king, the first and future king, that all nobility, nobility is descended from, that means she's literally talking to her ancestor. And so by disowning him and everything he represents and saying that Britain is no longer just for humans, but Britain will be for mutants is an important moment for herself. And in that moment, Ashley's fighting Captain Britain, not with magic, not as Captain, with the powers of the amulet of right, um, but with her mutant abilities. Her butterfly effect comes back for the first time. Yes,
0: yes!
1: And it's a really important moment. I think a lot of people kind of just glanced over it, and they went, oh, this issue kind of sucks. A lot of people just, like, did not want to pay attention to it because they did, like, a big, bombastic thing was happening. But I think at the root of Excalibur is that it's a character book. Um, and the character of Betsy has been through a lot, and she has grown Mm -hmm. a lot, and I think in this moment, her saying, fuck Britain" with her full chest, and saying, I'm here for Kokoa, is the moment, is an important moment for her to get her butterfly back. She doesn't have the Captain Britain armor, she's in a nice little training bra, and you know, her skimpies, and she's fucking him up. Um, and she's able to pull off a butterfly dagger to his dome, a side dagger to his dome, and it gets the fuck out. Uh, Opal Saturnine is falling from the sky because Merlin's a sore fucking loser, and he sucks, um, but Captain Britain, in a full magical girl moment, she's giving Sailor Moon teas, leaps out of the anti-magic barrier, summons back her armor, catches Opal, and falls with her into the abyss. It's a really gay moment. It was like full-blown bisexual lighting. You can tell they're about to fuck from that boat, Uh, And once they land, Opal Saturnine is the first one awake, having done something, I think, because she was in a deep sleep, like a deep, magical sleep situation. And they decide to have a conversation about how Opal Saturnine exactly stole the position from Merlin and why he's being such a hater right now. But we cut that. um, Basically, the other team hasn't really been doing anything. Uh, except for Monarch, who now holds this trust of his family, but is now being forced to hold together the fabric of reality. So he's out of commission for the rest of this issue. So as an explanation for why he doesn't just wave his hand and erase everyone for existence. Um, he's holding shit together. But yeah, that's been Excalibur. Really fantastic issue. I gave it 9, nine butterflies out of 10. Uh, yeah
0: loved it like I, I appreciate the violence I appreciate He's like girl I don't need my sword to beat your ass bitch I'm still a witch breed I'm that girl fuck white supremacy like now the proletariat mama was like she was ready to <laughs> she was ready like I understand I not where everything was going at first because like they were at the dinner thing so I was like what is going like they were just in battle on the last issue but they 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 brought it all together it all made sense it all was lovely I appreciate it. I'm really interested to see what strike brings next I wonder we we're going to get a strike books and some of these books are ending, um, but I'm here for it. I I, I enjoyed, it. but is the ending or staying? I can't remember.
1: Excalibur is ending. Yeah, I think they're trying to cycle out Tiny Howard or something else. And I don't think. Honestly, part of me wants to be upset. Part of me really does not like the fact that the Magical X Men team is going because y'all know I love some Magical X Men. But at the same time, I think I appreciate the fact of them going, like, okay, there's other points of view we can have within the Kakoa storyline that we can take a look at. I hope they don't completely get rid of, like, oh, no, they're not completely giving up the aspect of, like, magical X-Men point of view, because we know that um, Madeline and Ileana are going to have a whole story arc in their own little stuff that they're going to be dealing with. So it's not completely being given away, but I think that they're realizing that there's not much else that they really want to do with Excalibur, um, and I hope they do do a strike team because I do think a team of telepaths and psychics would be really interesting.
0: Right. I I, I want to see what's next, but I think that like you know what we got here was really good. Um, I don't know if if it's guy ran its course or not, but what I have found that like like a book like Fallen Angels, I, I mm-hmm. they 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 did what they had to do by get rid of that book. But I, am really, I'm really happy. I'm really pleased.
3: She with that nigga's ass. Yeah. I have really grown cool. to enjoy Excalibur a whole whole lot. Uh, at first, I did not really like it, but uh, as we were talking earlier before we started recording, that like rereading Excalibur, it is a lot more enjoyable because you sort of pick up the pieces that you miss when you read like four or five other books before the between issues. Um, so mm-hmm. it is. It is a very enjoyable book and I, I really hope that even though that they are uh, ending in this particular run in December, uh, that they bring them back like they're doing Marauders uh, in January with either an annual and just another creative team or an annual and another whatever so that the the story can at least continue because it really would suck ass if they stopped this um this story going about the magical aspects of uh, the mutants, even though now that um, they've all been kicked out of other worlds, that's gonna sort of be a little difficult.
1: I mean, I think you can still continue it because Araco is still very much the magical heritage of mutant kind, right? And mm-hmm. it's very much a black magic, um, all African inspired. And I really do hope that ever pivoting away from other world storylines, um, first of all, that we get Anubis about there. Um, Death does not need to be trapped there if we don't need him there. Um, we need to... I, I don't exactly want, you know, that pairing of Storm and Death to be, like, you know, the one true thing. But I know that, you know, she, she keeps a harem. And so the Storm Queen, you know, herself, she needs, you know, someone who just, like, your job is to lay in bed and wait till I get here, and then that's when we speak to each other. And I think Death can facilitate that. If we kill him and bring him back to life. Hmm. Fair enough. But yeah. So I'm like a little
3: really leery crazy. about mm-hmm. that whole death and storm thing because isn't. I really feel like Genesis and Iska are like distantly related to storm. So that would be a little ancestral, not all. It makes me uncomfortable.
1: Thank you for ruining it for me officially. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because i can't even argue against that y'all see me on the timeline suggesting that ashake was one of the three sisters uh with iska and genesis and i, I stand in that i believe that i believe it so now that you said that out loud it can't happen thank you I, Show if time. it makes you
3: feel any better i was very much so rooting for an iska storm like bisexual moment um but then somebody had to ruin that for me as well when they told me the same thing that um it's believed that Iska and Genesis are like her ancestors. So that would be weird and gross.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think they are. I don't think they're related. I disagree.
3: I don't I don't think that they are, but I think that like
1: it is possible enough that I feel like it's being implied a lot. Yeah. I look at the bone structure of Genesis. I was like, this looks like Storm to me. And then it does, I look it does, at it like, does look
0: like Storm. It does.
2: It's like
1: it's giving similar power structures and they have the same abilities and literally. The uh, artwork used for Genesis is very similar to how it's formed on, Gen- on Ashaki. Like, Ash- Ashaki has, like I think it's the eye of Anubis on her face as well. Like, the whole tattoo of it. And, like, seeing Genesis also having the two eyes on her face, it just feels like they're doing very really deliberate things there.
0: I mean, I'm, well, Vonte, what do you think? That's your house, Mother. What you think? Um,
2: I definitely feel like they do have certain similarities. I, I thought that they could have been related in some way. Um, I would have liked to see a little bisexual Storm with Iska. I think that would have been hot. But y'all ruined that, so no ma'am.
1: <laughs> we know Storm I'm likes so sorry. Storm <laughs> yeah, doesn't y'all. really like... Um, we got to see if Storm likes Black women. Cause so far I don't. If, is is it her dating habits I mean, so she, far?
2: I mean, she's had a little.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you talk about somebody, you talk about somebody, mother. You about to see? talk about somebody, mother. Yeah, you yeah, come, you, tell, you, tell,
3: Storm, you see, talk, about no, like no, somebody. I'm gonna take that back.
1: I'm going that <laughs> back. Cause Shuri and also Misty Night and Storm, they have been having moments sometimes where it's like, okay, and Spectrum. <'cause> <laughs>
2: I mean she uh, the only white woman I really think that she actually had like a little flirtatious moment with was Callisto.
1: Is Callisto white? I thought Callisto was um Asian.
0: Callisto's white. Callisto's white. Callisto's a white woman.
1: Child, Calisto's he said Storm
0: had said Storm had a spirit of Tamara, child. Yeah, she <laughs> had the spirit. I mean that, <laughs> was Wolverine. Was real, that, eye,
2: that, that That eye patch was looking real good on her. And she was right. licking her lips and everything else. So no, she likes to be one.
3: She loves she really her. have uh, like a a a bestie. Like we're um we just you know hooking up and experimenting moment with Gene.
1: I couldn't see that. Storm and Gene has definitely made out on the dance floor at least once. <laughs> well,
0: they they sang I'm "I Break My Heart to. Together."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they sang the fuck out of this. And you know, Storm. Storm has had thoughts about Thor. <laughs> you can tell it's like you know what? Just for the aesthetic of it alone, she says, "I want to, I want to be with someone who can handle me actually using my powers in the middle of it." You know, just I think, I think she's talking and you know, about it. It's Thor honesty. is
3: a mutant now.
1: Yes. Is you he? Yes. Oh! People hate God, him so much, but he is. He's a mutant. Original, his ex
3: gene hasn't activated. Um, first of the
1: Phoenix Force is um, his mother. What? I wanted to do that I story. Heard- I read the Thor comic and like it's really good. It's like definitely giving like I think the aesthetic of the Thor comic right now should be the thing that we look at for how to do a Storm comic solo. Um, because instead of making him weaker, they just make him stronger and stronger. But his issues just don't go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I really think, but I think Donny they. Donny Cates is
3: doing a good job writing.
1: Is they're doing a fantastic job. I just really think mm-hmm. that they need to go there. Like they touch on it here and there, but the Kakoa gates are right there. I think it will be interesting just to have them walk through just to see what that would be like.
3: Wait, he has it, he didn't come with them for the trial
1: of Joseph, did he? Um Girl. no, he did not. No, <laughs> he, he did not. He's Joseph. not there because he like, he don't like Wanda. <laughs>
3: You right. You are right. You're
1: Thor right. Odinson do not like Wanda. He never saw it for her. It's never been a thing. Like, oh, we hang out. He maybe had fought a few battles with her. He knows of her. He see her around the Avengers Mansion, you know, but he don't they don't hang out. That was like Wanda and like Captain America and Tony Stark's friend. Um, that's not his good. Because he don't like witches. Let's be honest. He's witch phobic. Is Freya, a
3: witch and his... um. And Loki is technically yeah, but he don't like Loki
1: like that. He's being real mean to Loki lately. He don't like yeah. sorcerers. He himself knows magic, but he don't really talk about it a lot. Like it's like his DL phase. It's like yeah, I've had sex. Yeah, uh, with men. Yeah, I dabbled with witchcraft a little bit, but you know that was in college.
0: <laughs> well, well, the world on the street, the world the street of Midgard is that uh, Thor said that Scarlet Witch is none but a great value enchantress, but you know you ain't hear that from me.
1: Oh, but he was telling the truth because Amora don't fuck around.
0: <laughs> she, she don't. Have y'all been reading Strange Academy?
1: I have. You know I have. She Maybe. put some spice. I haven't, Barely. I, haven't read, I haven't read that last issue. It's, Amora oh, put some spice over on that storyline. She was like, I'm a bad yeah. mother and I know it. But you know, right. one thing I will do is apologize for it.
0: Right. And I got hands.
1: Odin can't say the same. No, he can't.
0: Right, right. I, was I love Lack my Stra- babies. The Last Is Your Strange Academy made me a Zoe stand. So, Zoe uh, Laveau. I love,
1: I love her. Zoe, but I think we discussed it in the Eternals episode how I feel about, like, why does she have to be a zombie? Well, what they explained the that. They yeah,
0: explain they explained the storyline
1: behind it, but I'm like, that's such a decision that she's the only human magic user who has such a drastic, like, physical, like, Situation going on. And I'm like, if you wanted to make that storyline, just make someone a mutant. Like, you have a right. mutant at the school. We have so many characters here. One of them could be a fucking mutant. But like, why is Zoe, especially why? Why is she a descendant of Marie Laveau? Doing all of that. It's just, and why is it's just a lot going on? I think I would appreciate it more if she was the main character of the book, and then I can like, okay, well maybe this is like an arc. But it's not even imposing on her oh. storyline that much.
0: They got a white
1: savior. That's Emily. Emily setting free the sentinel, the magic sentinel. Like, okay, sis. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm. We, I'm really not feeling her.
2: I'm I
1: really love Zoe. I'm gonna probably. I'm probably stand her like I stand Nico Minoru. Um, probably harder than I stand Nico Minoru for that good period of time. By the way, Runaways, you do need to come back. I'm not sure what you're playing. Like, come back. I need to know how that wraps up. But. You know, I think right now, while she's trapped, very much like how I didn't always see for brother Voodoo, until I got some more moments with him outside of the lens of Doctor Strange. I think I'm waiting for more of that.
2: Hmm. I All think right. she should be
1: the next brother Voodoo herself, honestly. Zoe, the next brother Voodoo. The sister voodoo, sorry. She would look great at it. She got the she would do great.
3: Yeah. There already is a out. sister voodoo,
1: by the way, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. The daughter of uh, Jer- her, uh, Jericho's brother. So, Jericho's niece, who doesn't um, know, I don't think that her uncle killed her father. Thanks.
0: All right. So, with that
3: being said, uh, you want to switch to uh, <laughs> uh, Hellions? <laughs> All right. My turn.
0: Yes, Big Daddy, it's your turn.
3: Take it, Daddy. Uh oh. <laughs> So we open up uh, <laughs> Hellions number 17 uh, with uh, Psylocke Kwanin, um deciding that she wants to both leave the Hellions as well as no longer be um, the war captain. Uh, she just got the position, she just volunteered for the position like yesterday. So uh, Emma Frost and the Cuckoos are there asking her why the fuck she is quitting so fucking quickly. Um, So they have sort of a a conversation together with the Cuckoos and uh, Emma um, and Psylocke is going uh, to, where is she going? Uh, She is going to, uh, going on a rescue mission uh, and uh, she's quitting being the, the war captain and uh, Emma is telling her that there are protocols uh, for going to war um, and to going on missions, and that um, then uh, Psylocke uh, responds back and says, well, since you won't let me do this uh, as a solo individual, I'm giving you orders as captain, Um, then I'm gonna go and um, go on this mission. We see that um, Orphan Maker has gone to, uh, are these folks called The Right? Is that who these people are? Uh, yes. that He's gone to the base of The Right in Arizona and is basically um, letting loose on all of them uh, for killing Nanny. Um, Psylocke uh, is attempting to uh, go and uh, assist him um, and is stopped by Havoc, um, who feels remorseful for um, having destroyed uh, the alleged backup of um, Quanan's daughter's memories, the only one, uh, and so she is uh, accepting of his apology and uh, is uh, preparing to go on the mission anyway when Grey Crow and Nanny and Wild Child and Empath all show up. Uh, Grey Crow, of course, is continuing to threaten Empath because uh, his. Last mission with them, um, he took he uh, took control of half the team and had havoc, essentially destroy uh, Sinister's base at uh, Emma Frost's um, instruction. Uh, but nobody but him knows that. Um, so half the team is trying to go with uh, Psylocke. Uh, they all tell Empath that he is not fucking invited. Um, understandably, because he's a little asshole. Uh, So he is told to stay uh, in place. Um, So because the uh, group is going to American soil to start a, uh, a, to essentially uh, have a battle, um, the uh, Quiet Council, specifically Emma, is um, stating, is making sure that she's sending out a memo uh, in terms of how to uh, respond politically. because this would be essentially um, in, uh, uh, an attack on American soil by Krakoans. Um So she wants to make sure that there's no beef with uh, the U.S., that they, this is an issue where uh, that there are specific mutants that are going uh, to attack uh, anti-mutant extremists that happen to just be on U.S. soil. Uh, she wants to make sure that everybody's on the same page, uh, with how to address this, um, that it is not uh, something that is uh, Krakoan officially uh, approved, um, but that in case there is backlash, that there is uh, an appropriate response. So she sends a memo out uh, to everyone to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, Orphan Master is really letting loose on these niggas. Um, and then that's when Havoc, Psylocke, Wildchild, Gray Crow, and Nanny arrive. Um, and basically also start uh, letting loose on the right. Um, Essentially, this is just uh, an attack on the right's base in Arizona. Um, And then they, uh, or Orphan Maker, uh, finds the AI um, baby uh, that had been taken back by the right. Um, And then when um, Nanny discovers him, they learn that um, the AI baby, the little green AI baby thing um, that they had been with was actually very, very anti-mutant, um, and uh, it, as soon as Nanny uh, takes the baby from Orphan Maker, um, thinking that she was, had finally uh, retrieved the baby, that she was looking to raise, um, now that uh, Orphan Maker had quote-unquote grown up, um, the baby actually uh, starts speaking and calls her mutant scum and blasts what looks like um, an energy blast directly into Nanny, killing her. Um, And Orphan Maker spazzes the fuck out and kills, is this Nanny's husband or ex-husband? I don't remember who this guy is. Um, Ex-husband, abusive ex-husband. Okay. He um, immediately cracks this nigga's neck, spins his whole head around and kills him. Um, and then lets loose with a whole bunch of guns on the rest of the uh folks in the right. Uh, while silot, Grey Crow, Havoc, and Wild Child are outside, um, uh, battling with the folks outside. Uh, Orphan Maker comes outside and just starts laying into the police and the um, the security force. Uh, when the rest of the team comes inside and realizes that Nanny had been killed, um, Orphan Maker is understandably incredibly upset and kills literally any and everybody that he can find that is not a mutant. Um, and then uh, we end the book with Orphan Maker uh, feeling, having killed everybody and feeling um, defeated at the end of it and stating that he could not stop. So there was not really a big um, like movement forward of the story here. It was just a continuation of the previous issue, essentially, um, addressing... Uh, the right being assholes um, and uh, nanny uh, uh, disowning, if you will, orphan maker, um, and then sort of the fallout from those two things happening. Thoughts, comments, critics, critiques, concerns, all that.
2: Um, I think with orphan maker's little blackout that he had with the right and security force and everything. I do think that it's interesting despite how um, Nanny was treating him, basically disowning him and um, like kind of going more for this um, artificial intelligence baby, you know, giving more attention to them, the kind of disowning um, Orphan Maker. I think it's interesting that he still has some type of love and some type of feeling despite the abuse that the verbal abuse that he was getting. So it's still some love there, but I, I, I just don't see how because she's been treating him like shit for like the past, what, seven issues?
1: <laughs> like. Your fan I maker de- is in a black household. <laughs> yeah. Let's you know,
3: he's, black- he's um, stunted mentally as a child, on top of, I think he was partially Stockholm syndromed. And so he's he doesn't have a good. Discernment in terms of how to address his emotions um, yes. in a healthy manner, which is sort of the theme of everybody on this this damn hellion And is that none of them know how to address their emotions. All of them need therapy.
2: Yeah, they are the biggest trauma group. I like. I don't get me wrong. I like this. I like this series, but I mean, it, they are a
3: big
1: ass trauma issue. <laughs> trauma body every for life. Every last
3: one of these niggas need a a good therapist to sit down and talk to their asses,
1: all of them. The healthiest seems to be great Crow. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, he, must yeah.
0: Be... he does. I mean, any of y'all want to go in there and fix their life. Um, oh, see she's to just... clean the table all.
1: <laughs> but I think that's why, <laughs> why I'm so upset. There. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so upset with Emma Frost as a character. Like, no, I still love her. That's my good Judy. Um, I'm like, it's important for you to be able to have a character you like because of their flaws. And I'm like this is a highly flawed moment of her taking these characters, kind of just using them as like weapons, basically. And this is how we all know is like she planted some shit. She got something in the works right now. And all of it boiled down to her sacrificing the people on this team. She did that to Kwanin, they didn't give her a choice or agency at their Kwanin, literally has a whole trauma about not being given choice or agency because her whole body was being used as a puppet for the last what 10 years. <laughs> um, oh. you just use empaths like his, he really needs to help and to have boundaries and to have like a group that trusts him. Like he was building something. he might not have been there all the way, but it's clear that he he has a right to feel some type of way and like he does feel some, some type of way. Like the ripple effects of that one decision across the board by Emma Frost and how she's just gonna deflect it and you know she's going to deflect it off of her. And just go, oh, this is an atrocity. Orphan Maker might need to go into the whole... I'm like, all oh, this happened because of you, sis.
0: But I say that's really strange and really, like, you know, I have to call bullshit on Emma because you sit here and remark about Charles and, and Eric manipulating everything behind Krakoa and hiding Mora X all this time. And you literally are doing the same behaviors, but on a smaller scale. So, bitch, who's... My mouth. Um, <laughs>
2: So, ma'am... <laughs>
3: Well, it, Emma's whole thing is she doesn't like when other people have her out here looking stupid. And that's essentially what Maura, Charles, and Eric were doing. They had her out here looking stupid. So
1: and she feels a
3: whole way about that.
0: But she's doing it's it to empath, like, though.
3: That's the fucked up part. Don't nobody give a fuck about empath. Emma cares about herself.
1: And that's the thing, though, about empath is that I think Emma is like. She didn't lie to him. She was like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm using you for. And you won't care because you're a sociopath. And so you're going to get what you want to get out of this. I'm going to get what i get out of this. And that's the most clean-cut version of the relationship. Also, empath, the only person I think empath authentically respects is Emma because he he sees her as powerful. And he sees how she can command. And so I'm like, that makes sense. Sociopaths love a good Dom. Um, they oh, really mean- use his
3: powers against her, even if he wanted to, because she's a, such a strong, she's an omega level
1: telepath, quote unquote, so, whatever that means anymore. <laughs>
0: so, uh, I that, that's a good point. Let's let's talk about it. So, Stephen, how do you know for a fact that a uh, sociopath, like a good Dom, is something you want to tell the group? You know,
1: if you ever all- <laughs> served anywhere? In Manhattan, <laughs> you know that sociopaths like it when you're mean to them. It's just I mean, true.
0: I like to go on record and say on cocoa Radio that black word is a freak. I'll uh, be looking for a good time. Um, you know who DM to hit y'all. My friend is good. It's good front to back. Tarnia, listen. Not, I don't think I'm we, we ever hit ass. the
1: fact that I am a horny, chaotic mess. Um, that's turn just the a verse given bottom. Me. Yes, not even verse bottom. I can't even say, I just know verse that makes sense. Verse bottom, verse top, it depends on the energy.
0: Oh, you that chaotic God. turn the
1: verse? Me and St. got <laughs> the same power, just in different spectrums.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so okay, so make sure y'all watch our credit cards. He's a scammer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My no, this was a good issue of Hellions. I think that I'm really am enjoying the point of view on Kanen. I hope that they they don't renege. I really hope that my dream is that Psylocke is just two people from now on. And it's Kwanin and Betsy, very, very much like we have Wolverine's, where we have Laura and we have, you know, everyone's least favorite uncle. And that's just what it gives. I enjoy this take on Kwanin as like she's highly sensible. She rarely uses her powers. You know what? she never really throwing girls against walls or like actively reading minds unless she got to. She took that sword out and she gets to swing. in.
0: And a crazy part is that I like, have
1: enjoyed Quanin a lot, a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of strange that like even though like we're looking at the Psylocke that we have always looked at for the last two decades, it definitely is a different character. Like you can mm-hmm. feel the difference.
1: I think it's because she has autonomy. Like she's not just a dragon lady anymore. Whereas like, I walk in here, I know how to use a sword, and you're scared of me, but also slightly aroused. It's like Quanin now has a thing that she wants in a complex. And it's this issue of her trying to get comfortable around... like The relationship between her and Betsy, I think, is the most interesting thing about it. And I, I made the joke before that I want them to date. And then everyone's like, that's kind of weird. I'm like... I. I don't know if, like if I had said that accurately. I don't know. I just want them to have a very close relationship. I don't want them to set their storylines to be split apart anyway. I think that their stories are like the kind that hold hands with each other. And so you can't really tell one without ever involving the other. Just the same in and Excalibur. Kwanin made an appearance and it was a really lovely like, hey girl, I see you over there. And they're locking eyes. And that's, a, that's a stabilizing moment for Betsy of seeing Quanin happy.
0: Right because, like you know, let like, like you know, for, for full transparency, I feel like Bessie as silock was very hypersexual, very Blanche Devereaux, while Juan mm-hmm. as silock is very Dorothy's Bornack and I ain't for the shit, so because mm-hmm. like, because the thing that like you know, I think the thing that makes them very different is that like Betsy was a very hypersexual silock, she mm-hmm. was very hypersexual, She just like girl, she shot she shot she shot a fuck Scott, you know. Uh Bessie Silock was a city girl. Plain and, mm-hmm. <laughs> plain and simple. Mm-hmm. She was a city girl. Plain and simple. But Quan and Betsy, I mean Quan and uh Psylocke is 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 very um
1: Angie Stone, very mm-hmm. like you
0: know, very, you know, very Jill Scott. You know, I you know, I I walk in the room, I am that bitch, I have to tell you that I'm that bitch. But with Psylocke with Silock Betsy, she was like, I have to tell you that I'm that bitch because I'm learning how to work my pussy. Now, I don't know how my pussy works. But, but like, Kwanin is like, you gonna put it on the Great
1: Crow. She's gonna yeah. throw it back on the Great Crow. Great crow. Well, she's
0: like, she is it. like a much more centered character than Bessie was. Bessie was just like all over the place. Like, she's like me, like, you know, you got good pussy, so why not spread it around with the girls? No, you got good pussy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> but, then, but then, but then, like, and then you got like Kwanin who's like Steven, where like, you know, I, I, I have the pussy. I have to tell you that I have the pussy. You just know I have good pussy. You're welcome.
1: We're total right. necks and I wear you know, toboggans. I walk into the room, and right. you never know until I deliver the energy. I just love Quentin so much, and I think that's why I also really like Tini Howard's interpretation of that relationship, where that moment where like they were trying to figure out what to wear to the Hellfire Gala, and then like Betsy's like, I guess I'll give you these gowns, and then Quentin's like, actually, the clothes you have me wearing, like you were wearing in my body, are clothes I would ever actually wear. It's like, it's showing too much skin for me. Like, it's not very sensible. I was like, I'm, I'm yes. a raised ninja. Like, I, they, those, these things look uncomfortable and I wouldn't have ever wore them. And I was like, right. that's such an interesting thing. I, I totally live for um, now that they're
3: separate, giving us full personalities for both Betsy and Quanin and it not being the um, Betsy and Quanan's body personality. It's, they mm-hmm. have two totally separate personalities and different approaches to uh any and everything that they come across i really have been enjoying um betsy and call- excalibur mm-hmm. and quantum and hellions
1: because they called betsy out for but, that shit they're like you're saying the body's making you do this shit girl it's you right <laughs> yeah, I off but i just
3: want to uh i just want to point out that it has recently um hit me that emma frost being uh um, the main character of the Marauders book and Sinister leading the Hellions that now that Emma is interjecting as part of the Hellions, it sort of is flipping what the teams were originally back to what they were prior to the age of Kokoa.
2: Um.
3: Because Empath was part of the Hellions that were under Emma, so it makes sense that she has an influence on him. so like the story still makes sense. Uh, so it's interesting to see now that Sinister is being um, sidelined a lot as part of this team that that Emma stepping in makes sense also.
1: It's just a shame. Um, I hope they throw Sinister into the fucking hole. I, I think I love the moments we got. You know, Sinister has always been a pretty girl, um, but I think it's time for Prodigy to replace his ass.
0: <laughs> You're not a pretty girl.
3: I want Prodigy to replace him as the geneticist, but I want Beast to replace him on the Quiet Council.
1: That would be interesting, honestly. I mean... I would prefer both. I'm happy with both. I think Prodigy, after what he went through, if he got, like, a sudden dark moment, he's like, I'm not really fucking with this whole goody-goody, like, mantra I've been doing, this straight-laced dating white men. You know, I hope he breaks up with... um, speed i do not like think fast i said this a thousand times um but i think using the excuse of like prodigy absorbing sinister's mind and personality and like leaning more into that to get a bit more darker hell i'll be okay if prodigy changed his code name
3: i mean okay i would fine. have to see what that would look like because in my head i'm not seeing something that i want but maybe if i remember his see dark it, future
1: where he became the president he was actually kind of like a sociopathic like headstrong expert in all things like that I want to see that in Prodigy now Hmm. I think he's been through enough trauma and like kind of like victimhood in the storyline to justify him going actually fuck y'all
3: and can we actually show him being bisexual and not just say he's bisexual but only show him in gay relationships
1: I think that's a whole other archetype (laughs) Because I think with prodigy is that I believe his relationship with Serge very much, and I I was able to look at that and go, that is definitely a representation of prodigy like being in a really happy romantic relationship with a woman. Enough for me to look at, okay, like him dating men now is also a form of him reconnecting with his bisexuality, especially because he's not even over the age of twenty right now. Like he's very much, just out of his closet phase and that whole thing of him, like my entire teenage years, I was completely rejecting male relationships because I did not want to be seen as queer because as, of very clear reasons. And now I'm in my 20s. I'm exploring that a bit more now that I have more access to it. Um, I
3: just, I'm, it's exhausting to me and I'm not even bisexual to see a, <laughs> a bisexual, a quote unquote bisexual character only presented in in um same gender relationships like you don't even see him trying to hit on women at all you only see him um having big shit for men and it's like okay he's bisexual give him both give him I always just feel like men and women
1: i think that's more so because prodigy as a character has been so desexualized in general um, ever since he came out. Like even actually before that, he has never been a sexualized character in the same way that even other people on his teams were. Like he's not ever given the clemency to be like, I'm dating fucking around. He literally went from coming out to trying to date Hawkling to like the low-key situation. And then everyone was so gun ho for Think Fast that Prodigy kind of just fell into this other relationship where he's now dating the most annoying character and all of the teenage superhero though um because there can be an aspect of it that can be said that yeah, he can be dating other women to be seen as bisexual but then there's also the aspects of like maybe he's just his like romantic performance his sexual performance right now doesn't dictate the fact that he is or isn't bisexual like no different than like kitty dating and being with colossus and iceman for so many years but everyone's like oh no she's definitely bisexual or betsy coming out and then not dating any other women for like years up until now that people forget that betsy's bisexual or that rachel is also bisexual or that actually we have so many bisexual female characters um they have a lot they... of
3: bisexual characters in marvel in general that they do a really 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 bad disservice to and that they only ever show them attracted to, they say they're bisexual and then they continue to show that character only attracted to either men or women and you don't see them interacting with the other gender that, that uh, they're attracted to and you're like, okay, so what happened to them being bisexual? Are they just gay or straight now? Yeah, like, I think that's a whole sure.
1: It is erasure, but I think there's a whole ranging aspect to it of, like, first of all, Prodigy needs his own storyline for him to even have options of dating other people because they do just kind of scoot him off into an arena. But in the same comics, you see Dokken, and Dawkins he is more sexualized, and so you see him having a more wider range of, like, attraction. So, like, in the same issue that we saw Dawkins introduce as trying to fuck Northstar, he also tried to fuck Kyle, and then he turned around and then fucked Aurora. So, but then you see prodigy. Mm -hmm.
2: But he's a but he's a Wolverine, so he's part of the Wolverine family. They're they're all they're all whores except for maybe Laura, but they're they're pretty much all whores. So I can Mm -hmm. see why they took it that route.
1: (laughs) Right. but then speaking
3: of Wolverine and and um uh, relationships, I'm sorry to cut you off, Stephen. But do we want to move on to X-Force for Sword now? Yes. Okay.
0: Which one do we want to do first?
3: Um, I guess. Oh. We can do X-Force first if Henry. Just, yeah. you You wanna go or, or do you want me? I don't
0: matter to me. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm already cleaned out. I'm got-
2: All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, you know
2: uh, what? You know i uh, of of let already. you go first. All right, you got you got you you got that
0: <laughs> All right, so we are at X Force 25 and the cover says celebrate 25 issues with their deadliest mission yet. Oh, the cover is of Wolverine fighting against some people that look like lifeguard and we find out inside the issue that they are not lifeguard. <laughs> oh, what the fuck. All right, so opens issue with uh, Wolverine and Forge having a little like conversation about some new shit that Forge come up with. Forge has become um, the Edna Mode of Krakoa, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Papa's always putting together a new outfit and new something, and he makes Wolverine an adamantium Antima- an uh, surfboard to go surfing in like the roughest part of Krakoa called Dead Mutant Cove. Uh, even though like mutants can't die and they resurrect, that's kind of counterintuitive. Should be resurrection code. But, you know, whatever. That sounds too like Christianity. That sounds like, you know, resurrection Sundays. Um, but yeah, anyhow, I digress. So he, he wants to go ride this wave, which is really dangerous and crazy. And he proceeds, you know, uh, to go do so. Earth's wild, the cu- The the cuckoos are laying in the middle of the field, having, you know, conversations in unison, while Quentin Choir, Kid Omega, is writing Phoebe and Quentin in, in the sky with a heart. And they're about to go out on a little date, and their date takes them to the bower where all the little mutant babies are abandoned. They're abandoned. This is not a nursery. It is. A, it is. It is a shelter. And I wish Krakoa would stop lying about this. There is. There is nothing about this that is. That is. That. That is. It, it's, they're not cabbage patch kids. This is a shelter. This. This is an orphanage. they just throwing these little poor babies in this motherfucking cabbage patch. And like, oh my god. You want to abandon your kids? Abandon them here, Krakoa. Only they're mutants, but you know, you know, it's basically it's basically a shelter for abandoned mutant babies. And I swear, and I hope that all these parents come and get these motherfucking kids, and all the kids come and get them when they grow up. Like, you left me in a cabbage patch, okay? <laughs> I, have issues, I have I have issues with the bower. That's like one thing I have. I love everything else, Krakoa, but the bower fucks with me. This motherfucker has no way to say? Like, make more mutants. Girl, we making them, but we're not taking care of them. They need to add it to the bylaws. Make more mutants and take care of them.
1: Listen, listen.
0: <laughs> there, there, there's know. a culture of dead parenting going on in Krakoa. We to, that in itself. It's, it's
1: communal have, parenting.
3: Um, They're doing communal. I'm surprised parenting. they don't have Krakoa Plan B. Krakoan Nothing. Plan parenthood. Nothing.
1: Nothing. It's communal parenting. They raise the children as a community, and then they send them to be trained when they're a <laughs> to be That's warriors. That's too much work.
0: I, I would, I would ask Elixir to resurrect me sterile, so I could not have kids. If y'all gonna be, if y'all gonna be doing it in Krakoa, y'all are terrible parents in Krakoa. There's a car con- We need to talk about that. Is a future circuit party. We need to talk about these motherfuckers and parenting. This, this is an issue for me. Okay.
1: So you want so, the people like Xavier and Cyclops. To raise it's the people who look at to those people as icons to raise everybody, children.
0: Everybody's on the docket. I mean everybody, I mean, everybody in the office now. Everyone. Anyhow, I digress.
1: Telepathic broadcasts.
0: <laughs> right. So Kid Omega and Phoebe are at the uh at, at the cabbage patch looking at babies. Like they like they just playing with like they're in a the fucking puppy shop, playing with animals. Shit fucks with me. And Wolverine is now seen, you know, riding the waves and living the time of his life. Motherfucker gets fucked up, starts drowning, and somebody comes and save him. We're back at the Bower and they're playing with some redhead baby that already has um, his mutant abilities active, and for what they understand is some part of telekinesis, but he has a very destructive power. But they're just just playing with the baby inside the cabbage patch, like they inside the fucking uh, shelter, picking out fucking uh, puppies and shit petting the fucking babies and shit. This is so problematic. They need to, they, you talk about a book that needs to end. This book needs to end. Um, and then Quentin uses the ability to like relax all the babies and calm them. We're back to Wolverine, the woman that comes to save him, looks like Lifeguard, looks like Lifeguard but this woman is not Lifeguard. So I'm like all excited about it, give me some Lifeguard. I love me Lifeguard and Slipstream. I wanted more of them. I love Extreme X-Men, so I knew it would give me Lifeguard. But you know, like it's not lifeguard, apparently. It's some blonde haired woman that, that surfboards just like that woman does. So now he's surfboarding with a whole bunch of other mutants and they're having a great time. The woman's getting like all the feels and getting close and emotional. Um, her name is Pike, which is a which is really on brand because she plays with water. Um they really haven't said what her ability is or what any other the people they're surfboarding with, what their abilities are. Um, but you know, they're by her campfire getting close and you know. He might get some tail. So we switch back to Quentin Choir who is now in bed sleep. She's getting telepathic astral summoning from Phoebe to have a conversation, which basically says, "Like, look, we was at the motherfucking uh shelter, quote unquote nursery at the Bower, and you know your thoughts are so strong, but like I feel like you want to raise a family with me, and like I'm sorry, but family comes first, you know, foe, family over everything. So I got to with my sisters. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta can this, and." You know, homeboy's crying in his sleep. I felt that. <laughs> like, my heart broke for Quentin in this situation. Really, ever feel sorry for Quentin Quire. Um, but, you know, it's fucked up. So then we go to a data page and Sage's logbook is Sage's the only person on the clock in Cocoa at all times. Between her and Bishop, them the only motherfuckers working. Everybody else is clocked the fuck out. In the Cocoa? Sage- <laughs> right, right. Nobody is and Black clock-
3: Tom Cassidy. Those are the only four.
0: It's like it's like literally like 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 just generally X Force is the only team on the clock. I will give. Them and no turns. one's
1: paying them for free. No one.
0: No one.
1: The X is the worst internship in the world.
0: Came came even came, came to go after the motherfucking Lagoon with motherfucking Fred J. Deuce to get a free drink. You guys still got paid. pay. Well, they have no social, social currency, but like you know, Sage I to walk went the front to of the, the
1: bathroom. Sage went to the bathroom and immediately Mystique broke in. That's all I know. (laughs) Right. Sage took a bathroom break, and in that time span, Mystique snuck in and threw everything into what?
0: Exactly. It's a mess. So Sage is realizing that there's something going on around the kelp and the plankton. Black Tom Cassie is like, some shit is off. I don't know what it is. Some shit is really fucked up. I don't know. There's a breach. Something's going on. We got to, like, you know, something's going on. And apparently, Pike and these other mutants have literally just went to the bower and rescued they go call it kidnapping. I'm calling it rescuing rescuing these young mutant babies who are abandoned by their shit parents and have since rescued them, quote unquote, and taking them off somewhere but I'm pretty sure Wolverine's going to chase after them next. The book ends this way. Um, but I have come to the conclusion that Pike and her and her band of whoever these people are, are doing these babies a favor. Thoughts, yes, concerns, man. accusations.
3: So I actually have a different thought than you do, Henry. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think Pike and her friends are mutants. I think they're
2: humans
3: that somehow um, made it to this one particular area, the the Dead Mutants Code, um, and they were masquerading themselves as surfers in order to Mm -hmm. sneak onto the island like they did through the one dead spot in the security system that is Black Tom Cassidy. So that's what I think and that they were kidnapping them for some Orcus bullshit where they're going to use their DNA or their skin or some shit like they've been doing um, to try to sneak back onto the island or through the gates.
1: I mean, I hope they're called
3: a at the very least.
2: So you mean kind of like how they did with Domino earlier in the series?
3: Like how they've done with Domino, like how they did with Quentin Choir, like how they did with Legion. They've done it multiple times trying to find a way past the Krakowan defenses. Um, and they've been successful almost
1: every time. So, trapping a mutant baby to your chest might work.
3: But is that how the gates work?
1: Do you just need to have
3: mutant DNA to walk through? Or do you, like, how does permission get granted?
2: I thought it was something sure. where they had to ask Coca-Cola for I thought it was something where they had to ask Coca-Cola for um, permission to bring people
1: through the gates.
2: Like people that like aren't human. <laughs> Excuse me, people that aren't human. I thought they had to ask for permission.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a loophole in the system that allowed parents through. Because if you have like a minor, like a baby or something, you would need to be able, like if you're a non mutant uh-uh, parent. Because
3: Brian Braddock can't go through the gate without his daughter letting him through.
1: Right, but the question is, that's different because her mother is a mutant. But if you're like a, a, a certain like manifestation with two flat-skinned parents, like Gimmick, if Gimmick had activated when she was in the womb or something then I would feel perhaps there is a contingency in the system that is made for if you need to bring a baby over. We'll get a data page. We'll get a data page. Yeah, sometime. Somewhere. Because yeah. I felt really bad for Quentin Quire. Um I especially feel bad for Phoebe because Phoebe, you know, she went through a lot. <laughs> Sis had, this was going through it, um, she was happy. And I really, I really love that moment of all five of them just laying in the field together and like just sharing thoughts with each other and existing in their hive mind. Um, and then like how which her sisters kind of sister checked her ass before she left.
3: <laughs> which of the cuckoos was with cable? Was that Esme or was that Phoebe?
0: It's Esme, um, and that's a problem. That's the problem I have is the fact that like in the future, clearly cable and Esme are a couple. So mm-hmm. Like, somebody's somebody living foul. Somebody's lying.
1: I think is they just grow up, and so they no longer have to like, do that anymore. Of just being together. That, or they just get stronger, and they don't have to think about being in proximity. I'm not sure. I don't see what the problem is. I'm like, I get that you guys are a hive mind, but y'all only date telepaths. It's not like right. y'all are expanding beyond that. Y'all only fuck other telepaths. I think maybe it's a kink thing, but, you know... Don't they don't have to like that.
0: They're a <laughs> bunch, bunch of skeezers. That's why. They all, they're all, skeezers
3: just like their mother. Yeah. <laughs> but their mother doesn't like psychic niggas.
1: Right. Mean, they're bunch of, oh, they're, they're bunch of, like omega yeah. psychic niggas. They like...
0: They're a bunch of skeezers. Oh, you right, because Cable
1: love. is, too. You know, one of them plotting on lesion.
0: <laughs> right. They one all, bunch one of, of, of them looking movie.
1: real good at sync. <laughs>
0: Oh, they, they can't have sex. I will fight them, hoes.
3: The fifth one is looking, looking extra hard at damn Proteus. Yeah, they, I think they, at least one of be-
1: them was gay. The one who was like so at, was so adored with Jean Grey that she dyed her hair red. I think that was, I think I want to say that was Sophie. Sophie was so enamored with Jean Grey that she dyed her head red, her hair red, and her little sister went. It was like after I think it wasn't Esme or Phoebe, it was mm, Cord- I don't want to say her name was Cordelia. I know it's like Cordelia they spell out is Spice. Sister. Yeah, they spell out Spice. I know that. She's the one that used to be called Mindy sometimes. Celeste. Celeste dyed oh, yeah. her hair uh, black and then they all decided, like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have different hair since one girl won't throw off the fucking pattern. Because it's supposed to be a system. Here is a theme. Then they dyed their hair blonde, um, brunette, and redhead to do like I think a by whole then, thing. Like two of them were dead. Yeah, because only three dead, and so they were the three in one. Yeah. And then they undyed their hair. Like actually, they were blonde, not blonde up until like this situation when like literally House of X dropped, and they were like running the Manhattan, uh, the Manhattan house. So yeah, I, I love deep lore about the stepper cuckoos. I feel like they tie together all the ex comics really well. Is this you just follow the steppers wherever they go? <laughs> right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the one good thing Emma Frost has ever done is become a mother. And she didn't even do it on purpose. Mm-mm. Right. That's the best service. She didn't have to carry the babies, neither. Exactly. So Henry's whole thing about raising children, mutants don't raise children. They, they raise themselves raise through children. trauma. They do, they do not raise children. Henry, trauma makes your power stronger. Don't you know that?
0: And these fucking nerds think this shit is about them. It's really about black folks.
1: Trying raise themselves
0: through fucking trauma. Got to live in a world where everybody fucking hates you and always coming for you in your fucking neck. And then and then all and then and then like and then all these babies out here by themselves with COVID and killed all their parents and shit.
1: Child listen the hand has five fingers all right they, do.
0: they most definitely do but what i know for what good goddamn sure uh they are baby phobic and Krakoa. you know you can't come around here
1: they don't like babies in mutant culture because babies can't defend themselves listen there's a he keeps saying like this shit about the five lights and shit. people don't talk about the sixth one because he's a baby
3: Right. We don't discuss the lights really in
1: general unless you're discussing Oya. We're discussing Oya. Um, We're not going to discuss Vasilidad. I think Transonic might get mentioned because, you know, you walk around naked. That's courage, baby. I see it for you a little bit. I also like when she, the fact that she shapeshifts as she flies to be better at flying. That's a good, you know, like physical powers. I like powers that, you know, it does something to you. When using it. She she would fit in an Araco. Um Zero, I will say I want to see more of as a villain. Mm-hmm. But other than that, even you know, Hope Summers can go. Yeah, fuck You know what? We all know all what? Of that hope might be the saving grace of uh the
0: trial of Magneto um if she plays her cards right.
1: We established we don't like mutant babies. And I really like that we came back to the mutant baby, Hope Summers, uh, who was so hated as a child that she had to go away, come back older, <laughs> as mutant children do. Right. Literally you all of them do it.
0: You, you can't, can't stay here and, right. <laughs> <You can't
3: laughs> he and grow up. You can't stay here and grow up. You have to go. We, we ain't don't do it.
1: parenting in the X universe.
3: We don't want to we... see you until you're at least 13. Bye.
0: Right. Right. You, you got mean abilities yet? You can't come in this
1: house. <laughs> we don't play these games, baby. We don't. We don't nurse me. Like, we don't think i going to be fighting a sentinel. Like, Shogo is barely lasting here. Shogo might have right. to go.
3: Right. Right. I and see somebody acting. Shogo's them. only stay, sticking around because uh, they turn into a dragon, and it become useful when they're in other world
0: Right. Because I see them now. Listen. like, what? Well, I- was it with Jubilee Baby, he got magical powers and flying around, He he's not even a mutant. What you doing?
1: But well, well, also has the added benefit of being a cute Asian baby. All right, he's right. an adorable little baby. You are not even cute. I'm sorry. You look like every fucking baby up right. in here.
0: This <laughs> uh, Fucking. Uh, uh, already already and Leech's ugly asses. See, they baby up ugly babies, right? Motherfucking stools with the Morlocks. There's a problem with mutants raising babies. There's a problem.
2: <laughs> Listen, the only
1: father who will raise a baby that I know in the X-Men is Cable and Apocalypse. Apocalypse will raise some children. He is.
3: Apocalypse I mean, he has has fe- raised he- like 800 children. That nigga
1: just be fucking. He just be fucking. That. He he dedicates himself to them kids. <laughs> so you will spend the sword by I five.
2: Would, I ain't gonna lie. I would too
0: if I could stretch certain things up. Baby, hey, hey, let me tell you. Damn, I'll put all that meat up in you.
1: Rick missed out. He was waiting. He
2: really I was did. waiting for you
1: to finish your magical training, distra- come the external, and then all the right. shit popped off. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, was, I was gonna. Rick
0: Rick was playing. He could have got some of that meat. Yeah, he, he was
2: my earthquakes,
1: on. baby. <laughs>
0: I'm it's like, it's like, 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 Apocalypse, come and help me. I don't understand this po shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apocalypse, I need help. Insolence. I, I need help with my incantations. I just can't scream loud enough.
2: Well I'm Mr. noir <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, I, yeah, you, I mean, all like, the content we could out
0: Be <laughs> We fucking instilling still fucking uh like I have new motherfucking cardamom on his fucking crocs and shit. Like, oh my god. Let me get that for you. I can go wash it right now.
1: Take it Listener, off. Dirty. can I play with your wand, please? <laughs>
0: Man, <laughs> oh my god! I'll be trying to pop uh, to Apocalypse so bad. into Strange
1: Academy. I just really got interested in that now. <laughs> if Apocalypse right. showed up to Strange Academy, I would instantly better. Instantly better. Any
3: mutant showing up to Strange Academy whatsoever would be better than what they're giving now.
1: What does magic right. teach at the that at the Strange Academy? Does she teaches like extra-dimensional studies or something? I think so. Something like yeah, that. That like something. sword fighting too. I think she teaches like something really niche. Yeah, something like
2: that. <laughs> well, with that being said, we gotta move on to sword issue 10. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, all right. <laughs> So um, last issue, um, we found out that WizKid was the mole on the inside of Sword for um, Henry Geirich. So in this issue, we see WizKid is narrating a lot. Um, We start the issue with him waking up, doing some stretches, um, getting dressed. Um, He is Um, Talking about um, learning physicality, he's talking about arrogance and learning humility. Um, He discusses a little bit about his mutant power to control and create technology. Um, He also discusses having um, severe dyslexia and how he has to use the Krakow medicines to um, keep it under control. Um... Mutant, um, he discusses mutants and um humans being similar, and then him not wanting to have anything to do with the resurrection protocol. Um, so we get to Lake Hollis, Storm is facing the new Legal Legion, and she's basically saying, you know, I'm all for peace and justice, you know, we can talk things out or whatever she said, but um, she's not going to have anybody being murdered not on her planet, so she's creating all types of mixtures of cold, cyclones, gale force winds. Um, Mr. Eloquent and I'm, I'm I'm gonna just get off topic right, right quick. So do y'all remember that uh, commercial with that guy that <laughs> that was saying that um, he was like, I got diabetes. Yes. That's what Mr. Eloquent looks like, but he <laughs> looks like yes. he's been working. Yes.
3: Work- yes. Work-
2: yes. yes. Huh? Uh, Wilford yes, Wilfred Brindley. Yes, Wilford Brindley. Yeah, yeah, he looks just like, Mr. Eloquent looks just like him. I got
0: diabetes. <laughs> so,
2: um, I'm sorry, I don't know why I just thought about that. But, um, yeah, so Mr. Eloquent, uh, he shoots some, some something from his atomic, uh, some atomic chain blast or something, and frenzy intervenes, she um knocks it out the air, cannonball knocks his ass out. Um, half bot is the last one to stand. And Storm's like, You're in the middle of my storm now. She's like, I'll she was like, pick your next move wisely. So Orbis Solaris tells him to play dead and um he kind of like uh shuts down or something. And it leaves the team wondering about, you know, this win being too easy or whatever. So Storm asks Frenzy to contact um Abigail Brand, but they realize that her is offline for some unknown reason. So we get to a data page on Brand. There's 19 log move, uh, 19 log movements. Excuse me. And um, her last three log movements, it says her whereabouts are unknown. So we don't know where she is at that moment. Um, we get to the peak with Young Cable and Whiz Kid. Um, they have a little dialogue or whatever. WizKid Kid tells Cable that um, the Lethal Legion uh, incursion is uh, more than likely a distraction for something bigger, and he was coming to. Um, he's basically going to use his power to be a substitute for the um, total uh, calm blackout. Um, Cable he congratulates him on break world or some shit, and. Then he puts his hand on WizKid's shoulder, and then WizKid uses his power to basically turn his bionic eye into a taser and knock him out. Then he does some voice code, and then he references DMX saying, X, don't give it to you, like that. So <laughs> um, then we get to Orocco, and then um, you have the Orbis, uh, Orbis, Dolaris sends a message to uh, sends a message to the group through half bot, saying that basically letting them know that the um, that the uh, lethal legion cyborgs are basically translocation receivers or whatever. So storm basically destroys it, saying like you know she no longer has to come up, uh, she no longer has to hold back, but by that time they already have a lock on their location. So, and teleports more of these Lethal Legion cyborgs, multiple ones, coming in through different portals or whatever. So, they about to fight their asses off again. So, um, Cable wakes up to an emergency evacuation that um, is initiated by WizKid uh, under Cable's orders, even though he just knocked out WizKid. That, that, was his, uh, that was his doing. And um, station one explodes and then we get to the end of um, the book and then Dyrek is basically happy with WizKids' success. Um, he asks why he betrays Cocoa and WizKids responds by saying he doesn't see humans and mutants as different and because Xavier and Magneto brought in Apocalypse and he was all on his uh, survival of the fittest ideals and shit like that. That whole island can burn in hell for all our kids. And then um, Guy looks like, I need you even say that. He exits. And then um, WizKid is talking to somebody um, through what he says is techno-telepathy. And he's talking to Abigail Brand, who is using PIM particle technology. And she's basically in his ear, kind of, um, I guess, Telling him his movements, telling him what he, um, telling him how to approach certain situations with Gyric and everything. So WizKid is a triple agent. So, um, for this issue, it was pretty decent. Um, I would like to see how this plan is going to come about. Um, Abigail Brand has a lot of multiple plans of shit going on. So, I'm interested to see how that's going to play out, how um, Gyrus is going to respond to that, and yeah, I want to see how this battle with these Luka Legion cyborgs is going to go with um, Storm and the rest of the group, so um, what is your guys thoughts, feelings, and all day? I have, have
3: asked. I've really, 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 really enjoyed um, Al Ewing's uh, run on this book because each and every one of the characters he has brought in for this sword team he's given them a book to expand their powers in a way that's like super fucking cool kid being able to control and create technology and then him creating techno telepathy like this is yeah. getting more and more interesting. It's 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 such a, a great story to me. I mean him being a triple agent, because I was super pissed that he was the mole, but him Dang. being a triple agent um now sort of redeems that, that like every issue arguing is telling a better and better story.
2: Yeah. But I, but you know, I called that last issue. I was like, I wonder if he's like, if he's really like a a, a mole, or if he's like, you know, kind of making sure that he gets to Guyver before he gets to them. But um, he's definitely playing the part because for you to blow up Station One, and then Station One is like kind of hurtling towards Earth from what Guyver is saying. So you're de- he's definitely playing the part. He's definitely being he's he's making sure he's convincing them but i also like the fact that they also um talked about him being dyslexic and how he can all he can create and control metal i mean metal can can create like all types of technology and he's smart and stuff like that but you know when it comes down to reading or whatever people think that he's stupid so i think it was interesting that they that he brought that up in the in the story
1: I really, also like the pairing between Cable and WizKid because it's like they're the two disabled X-Men on the team. And it's like it's really hard to also think about Cable as being disabled, but I'm like, this is like one of the first moments you really look at it, and like the moment of Cable putting like his robotic arm mm-hmm. onto WizKid's shoulder is like it's like clearly emblematic of like no one really sees Cable as disabled because he's not differently able in the way that you really actually think about like a robot arm is cool so you think oh that's a part of his power and he was like no I lost my arm <laughs> I adapted it and it's mine now and I control it like with not it's symbiotic with my powers and everything but like this is like a whole thing for me um and so like the fact that WizKid also used that to turn against Cable was like this is like a very sad moment in general for like WizKid betraying someone that he clearly has like a rapport with especially following up with like talking about like you know everyone thinks about charles xavier but xavier's not even in the wheelchair anymore uh and that little quick jab at like his point of view this kid definitely has some like judgments that i think is fair i think it's very clear that you like, is paying attention to like the conversations regarding disability in the x-men universe especially around xavier curing his disability and Wizkid was, like, in general, discussing, like, his fear of, like, being resurrected, because it seems to be, like, it's framed, like, oh, I'm afraid to die, and I don't like that, but it's also the aspect of, like, the process of being resurrected that seems scary, because so many people have gone through the resurrection process and, quote-unquote, fixed whatever was, like, making them different in any way, and so there's that question of, like, will Wizkid make the decision of if he's resurrected, would he change that by himself or what things would he choose to keep with him because it's not like looking at someone like karma and going oh yeah it makes sense that she chose not to repair her leg or to be able to have it back again it's more so that you know she grew up with this is a part of her identity now she doesn't want to get rid of it but with kid is like 17 at the most and so it's like has he had the stability to make that decision and go, I'm comfortable with making that. It's a big thing to ask a kid to make. It. And so it makes sense. I really appreciate that. I'm really excited for when Iska and the rest of the council decides that um, actually orchids is their problem because you're not gonna come my fucking planet and start making fights in the place you're not even supposed to be fighting at. Who's the who's the chair of table dust who's in charge of laws again?
0: I cannot remember. I don't wanna lie, even my
1: that's because I didn't we didn't see his face. Like he did not have a face. Um, because he didn't show up because he was so dedicated to the laws of Krakoa. Is it
3: Ora Serrata?
1: I think it's Ora Serata, yeah. Um because they have Temple the has Zylo,
3: right Ora Serrata, and um Lotus Lodi or Lotus. I can't remember their how they their name goes.
1: Yeah, Ora Serrata is the, the seat of um, the seat of law so Aura Serata, I feel like it's going to make an appearance pretty soon in regards to this shit because A, a sword is ending soon and like that's the only character we haven't seen along with the winter table um, I think it's about time for someone to step in and go actually we're declaring war not just on Orcus but Earth itself but Kurkoa, you're good <laughs> Krakoa Cousins y'all are good, we know this is the humans and we know it's really hard for you guys to want to do this Consider it our gift, we're going to kill all of them. You're welcome
0: <laughs> I have you know I have to piggyback off uh, what uh Showtime said like I agree like, I'm really glad that that Kid is not a, a double agent because I would have really broke my heart. um but I have noticed that in the last exchange in the in the panels with before before we reveal Abigail brand because like, he's a little bit of a mutant supremacist too. He's like, he basically says at some point he was like, "We've been able to lift ourselves up as, as a community, and, and the humans on Earth, as Earth, is also to come along with us, even if we have to drag them along." Like he really is like, "Oh, we better than y'all." It's like he already admits that he's kind of arrogant, but he is aware that like we are we are a better community as y'all. So like you know whether you want to help or not, you're going to get it, and we're going to make you and you, we're going to make you receive it.
1: Yeah, I see why so, he's like that though. Because he, I like, his, like that. It's mm-hmm. Good energy. I don't see the problem <laughs> because, like everything Wizkid went through, as like his other storylines, especially going to Avengers Academy, how everyone treated him. I think the X Men is one of the only teams that went. Not only do we see that you're not different because you're differently able than us, we recognize that your strengths are what makes you special, and we know that you are without potential limit at all. That little hint there was, I feel like, them stating that WizKimp might be the Omega tech path um, for the entire community. I, I really, I know it's not Forge. So sorry, sweetie. You're just not giving. Um, Forge, you're not giving. Uh, you know, Trinary, love you, girl. Love you down. We love an anarchist. It might not be you, baby. Hijack, we haven't seen you in years.
3: The difference, though, is that every other technopath that we've seen can either control machinery or make machinery. Right. That there's it's no make, one that can control do both and communicate. Right. there's no one that can do all of them other than WizKid.
2: Yeah, because the, the one thing with Fords, I'm going to use them as an example, Fords can create literally any type of like technology or whatever. But sometimes he don't even he doesn't
3: even know what the fuck he's created at certain points. Right. Like who couldn't he couldn't do like uh Reed Richards or, or Tony Stark and explain to you yeah. what he made.
1: Yeah. He can just tell you, this is what this does.
3: Don't ask me how it works.
2: Yeah,
1: basically. I know that when I connected these wires, it did this. <laughs> but you know, in terms of all that other shit. I know I think he can explain it. It's like he doesn't have a fundamental, like basic grasp of like, yeah. I think his issue they pointed out, like yeah, his peak of his power was that he cannot do things that are exceptionally independent to him and his mutation. It's like Tony Stark can also do the things that Forge can do naturally, whereas Forge's power gives him the benefit of just figuring it out without any research. Um
3: that's really was,
1: weird. Um, that's that's sad for him. That's how they
3: explained um, how Omega-level powers work, or how they're defining Omega-level powers, was they specifically said um, the difference between Forge and Magneto uh, being Omega's is that Magneto has no upper limit to his power. There's no other being that can like outpower him in that, whereas Forge can be outpowered by uh, what his power does by Reed Richards, Tony Stark, um, anybody who makes like robotic stuff that they can also add Doctor Strange to that, that
1: Yeah, because Forge's power also works on magic. That's the weirdest caveat to his it. ability. His it works on, on magic. Way. He's a sorcerer. He just don't do it because he prefers not to. But it's like, yeah, his power does work on magic too.
2: I also have to commend um, kids for being able to handle uh, Cable, being that cable is like a really overpowered telekinetic. Like, for you to be able to, for you to be able to knock him out as powerful of a telekinetic as he is,
1: like, that's some strength.
2: That's definitely He's some getting strength.
1: that Omega level crown soon. He's getting the title soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's definitely going to have to pass that along. <laughs>
3: they need to go ahead and, and start adding some folks to that Omega list because the way these damn Iraqis keep popping up and being like, girl, like 50% of us are Omegas. Why you only have 10?
1: Like <laughs> we have parties every week. We have an Omega level situation going on. Uh, who are all the lists that we have so far of potential Omegas? It's um, iBoy? Uh, I-, I like Apocalypse. No. iBoy would be beat by Lactuca. Uh. I feel like it's a bit different. Like, Lactuca seems to just be knowing, but iBoy is, like, literal perception. And plus, they did not really explain what Lactuca power really is or
3: all like that. just generally anybody who has cosmic awareness would beat iBoy.
1: I don't know. I feel like iBoy's ability is closer to, like, an actual sense, because Lactuca is, like, there's a thing called omnipathy that exists and like it's not really expanded on but it's like just you understand the data of things all around you in proximity to you so you know like the temperature and you know like where the proximity of one thing to another thing. It's a weird power that exists in the X-Men universe. I feel like that's what Lactuca is but it's fundamentally different than Boy because Boy can also perceive magic. um, And like he can manipulate light now, I guess. We'll never get an explanation of that whole hand sign thing that he did. But there's something that feels fundamentally different to what Ivoy does, that what Latuka does. I just think they're very similar, though. Mm. You know, it's like how Vulcan is an omega-level energy manipulator, but also Storm is an omega-level kinetic. And it's like, well, technically, they shouldn't exist at the same time. But they're like, it's kind of different, so we don't think about it or how we have two I mean, reality
3: they had, movies. Uh, they had three reality warpers on there, and mm-hmm. it was just different types of reality warpers.
1: Yeah, I something, that's the caveat.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I really think I really Ewing. that Al Ewing should go ahead and write everybody's mutant ability bios because he's the only one that seems to be able to extrapolate on a mutant and make it make sense. Because, like, you know, <laughs> the way the way he is completely rebranded Manifold is not a teleporter, but somebody that can literally shape the universe around him. Or like you know, he's basically a low-level latuna, pretty much.
1: He knows everything.
0: Yeah. He can be, he can go, he can go anywhere he wants to go if he really want. They, what they really did start doing is an Arako kokoa apprenticeship and start matching niggas with people who have abilities that are similar to them, get them to a mega level because there should be no reason. Like once again, if if, if Arako wanted to be petty and they were organized, they could easily take over Kokoa, easily.
2: CoCoa yeah. is an ally yeah.
0: compared to a whole planet.
2: Yeah, cause I, I was gonna that, that could be kind of like a mutant Strange Academy in a way. Right. If they did an apprenticeship, mm. that would be. I would like. I would see that. I feel like
1: They'll be cool. giving us what we want and what we ask for, though. And Marvel would never do that. They're too busy making NFTs. That.
0: They would never do that. They gave us Trial of Magneto. They they don't care about us.
3: They're they really don't. We that's <laughs> Trial of Joseph. I keep telling you that is not fucking Magneto. I don't know who that nigga is, but it is not Magneto.
1: This moment is literally just Magneto when he's off his meds right now. He is actively manic. Um, I honestly think Hope triggered him. She took his helmet off and triggered his manic depression.
0: Yeah, I, I don't get it. I'm not here for any of it. I think it all sucks. It, it sucks. I think it all sucks. It all sucks.
3: If they, If they wanted to end well... They need to just go ahead and let Hope be the villain and let that be part of Inferno and Trial of Magneto. Just make Hope the villain. Right. Get rid of her. Put her on Genosha. I mean, it'll add
2: something. I mean, it'll add something to Cocoa because it's not really adding anything. Right. Am I the drama? Um,
1: Oh, oh. Oh, I'm just ready for this this whole trial to be over, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. It's giving... They got two more issues of that bullshit. Why? Why did they do this to us? I would have preferred... You know, him is the Iraqi way. We don't fight. Right. (laughs) You know what? I also feel like it's offensive that we have gone this long without seeing White Sword anywhere. What's he up to?
2: He's right behind you.
1: Yes. Uh, For the listener, I have never changed my background image. It has always been White Sword. It always will be White Sword. He's not even Omega. It's just I appreciate his existence. He's like one of those characters I think is going to follow me as one of my favorites.
0: Really, Tamara?
3: He gives me (laughs) Apocalypse's uh, brother energy. Exactly.
1: This is not a white man. Just because he's wearing a white suit armor. I really want that to be true, but I do not believe that White Sword is a white man. I really can't. Um, I just refuse to believe that his power is too good. Like. He is awesome. How he he sunned all of Apocalypse's kids. I honestly feel like they are not related. I feel like, you know, this is like Apocalypse's main homie is White Sword. He's he's the best man at my wedding. He fucked my wife and I was completely okay with it. (laughs) Um, Wow. You're such a tramp. Yes, I am. (laughs) So
3: you're saying that. White sword, cut uh,
1: apocalypse. You know they swing. You know Genesis and Apocalypse are. You know it's like if, if you see someone powerful, stronger than me, go ahead. You know we respect. I hate you, Henry. I hate you so much.
2: i <laughs> <laughs> oh, so
0: through. <big. laughs> Also, hours later with my
3: man. <laughs> For the listeners,
1: Henry changed his background to White Sword as well. He's just White Sword, but White Sword and his thought fit. That's his thought armor. Because, you know, it's literally just a harness.
2: <laughs> literally.
0: He's so good to me. Look at him. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am Here. over it, y'all.
0: <laughs> at the Coral Radio. i make making my mission at least every episode to troll black word at some point because I have
1: nothing better. To do. Henry always will. I think Henry always. thinks it he keeps me humble. <laughs> Jokes on him, though. My personality cannot be humbled. I walk into a room, I stick up energy and space. Maybe <sighs> that's my ability. I'm an energy vampire. Me and Celine Galileo, we like this, sis. This,
0: this. <laughs> Okay, we also want to call Black Word the Jennifer Lewis of Coa Radio because I just, like, I can't. I can't. capture <laughs> Self-Esteem over here be, like, wearing this out. Like, I am that girl. You girls aren't. Thank you very much.
1: These bitches you. are pressed They just are. Oh, my God. Why are you talking about me? I have a bunch of kids in my mentions over, the like, this week just trying to drag me down, and I'm like, that's not possible. I'm a Capricorn. I was raised by a narcissist. I can never hate myself.
0: (laughs) Babe, do you hear that? It's time to stop.
1: (laughs) You know what? Who's very similar to that? White Sword. White Sword loves talking about himself. He collects the baddest bitches. You know, I inspired the 100 Knights, you know, his 100 Warriors. I inspired that. I was like, what if we just had a house full of baddies like me?
0: Well, he's actually blue, so would that make him a relative of Mystique? Because there was a lot of blue people in Marvel. I in always oh, want to talk about
1: that. I'm like, the amount of blue mutants that exist is actually... Yeah, we
0: have a, there's a lot of blue mutants.
1: I'm thinking it's more mostly because like that blue color just hit. You know, there's something about, like, you know, Archangel, Angel sucks. Whack. Archangel, that nigga. I'm sorry. Oh, something about the blue skin.
0: Archangel is transracial. He, like, he, he, he adopted... There, he's like a Rachel Dole the Rachel Dolezal out of the blue people,
1: right? Being blue in the X Men universe is a metaphor for being black, all right? That's just what's going to be true from now on. So, if you're a blue mute and you're officially a person Even of if color, you're white in your real life. Um, right. Nightcrawler, black, he's half black.
2: I bet mystique,
1: full black, mystique is fully black. That's a negress because skinny, right? skinny
0: niggas all skinny niggas do be have some low dicks. I, I know that Nightcrawler got some. Ne-
1: Nightcrawler oh, is does. finer than Nightwing. Everyone needs to say that out loud. Nightcrawler is finer than Nightwing, fur and all.
2: The only thing, I think uh, Nightwing has more ass. Mm-hmm. Nightwing mm-hmm. definitely has mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. ass
1: than Kurt, but Kurt has the meat. Right, but it's like, you want to fuck more. Kurt it's has like, the tail, also. Nightwing got ass on him, true, but unless they lean into Nightwing being Asian, I don't think it will really hit for me in my spirit. Because it's like, yeah, but you're just another gym gay. You know, that's just he's like a very much white gay energy to me. And I feel like it's get boring. Um, and I just can't do that to myself. I'm like, why not when Duke is right there. Duke is worth it. Duke has earned it. And
3: Jace, let us let us not forget Jace.
0: <laughs> right. All right, y'all. We have to end this show. It has been lovely um, and highly melanated. Uh, next mm-hmm. week we have the trial of Josephs number four. Mm, great, Ooh. two more episodes, two to go, and we also have X Men number five and Wolverine number eighteen. Uh, and then we have we have a lovely circuit party for you guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be appetizing. You're gonna love it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's it. We out. Are we, we love reading y'all.
1: anything interesting next week? Oh, Any recommendations? recommendations? Oh, I think Black Um. Panther is coming out. Black Panther number one is coming out. So, you know, we don't often talk nice on T'Challa, but, you know, we do respect him. um, And we respect Chadwick Boseman. So we will, I will be supporting Black Panther, especially because that region of Morocco issue is coming up. And we want to discuss it, and how they interpret that relationship, because I think now you can never believe. It's always two different versions of that relationship. And I believe it's like how that plays out often.
3: Um, I would like to also recommend something by John Ridley. Uh, I Am Batman has been fantastic and it's been discussing uh, Jace Fox, Luke Fox's older, younger brother, brother, his brother um, uh, as Batman while Bruce Wayne is off being broke boy Batman.
1: Yep. A lot of good issues next week, honestly. I'm being real. I'll just look at the full list. For November twenty first through the twenty seventh, um, it's also coming out. Uh, we have X Men number five, The Death of Doctor Strange, which I now I highly recommend. I officially recommend reading. Yeah, the Death of it's, Doctor really Strange. it's really It's really good. It's delicious. Tony Stark has PTSD because he got his ass beat by one of the mothers. It's great. <laughs> Triggered his alcoholism. It's so funny. Uh, Wolverine cover. The Wolverine cover looks nice. I will say that it's a nice cover. Um amazing Spider-Man, we're getting Kraven the Hunter, Kraven the Daddy, um Big Nasty, you know, he's coming through. You know he only loves black women. Get into oh it.
0: Oh my god, I can't.
1: And Thor, oh number nineteen, is coming out.
2: Um, also yeah.
1: X Kill Shot. Oh yeah.
2: Um, the only recommendation I have right now, um, probably Wonder Woman Evolution. Um, I'm trying to get into that. Um, I, it's basically about Diana. I guess she's basically selected to be the defender of our uh, of Earth for some fucking some type of challenge or some shit. So it's testing her human. it's yeah, testing her humanity, testing everything about her. What makes her Wonder Woman, I guess. So, um, and I know I'm all for a good one-to-one story, so uh, I would pick that up if I was y'all.
1: Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, that That's all for me right now. Magic Order is back out, but the number two doesn't come out until December 1st. So, that's all for this week. Um, all right. have no more recommendations. Thank you guys for stopping by. You know, don't forget to check out the Eternals review. We posted it last week. Just to get, you know, a little gander into us just going in for something more flat scan related. And have a blessed Thanksgiving.
0: Yes, have a happy holiday, y'all. Be great. Right. Bye you guys.
2: Love you. Y'all be blessed. Love you guys.